Hi, this is Dahlia from It's Raining Flower, and you are listening to Eat Blog Talk Podcast. Hey, awesome food bloggers. Before we dig into this episode, I have a really quick favor to ask you. Go to your favorite podcast player, go to Eat Blog Talk, scroll down to the bottom where you see the ratings and review section. Leave eBlog Talk a five-star rating if you love this podcast and leave a great review. This will only benefit this podcast. It adds value. And I so very much appreciate your efforts with this. Thank you so much for doing this. Okay, now on to the episode. Hey there, food bloggers. Welcome to eBlog Talk, the podcast for food bloggers looking for the value and confidence that will move the needle forward in their businesses. This episode is sponsored by Rank IQ. I am your host, Megan Porta, and you are listening to episode number 339. Today, I'm so excited. I have Dahlia Rubin with me. She is going to talk to us about how to help other bloggers grow while you are starting your blog. Dahlia is the recipe developer, photographer, and writer behind the blog It's Raining Flower. She's a gluten-free foodie, recipe developer, food photographer, and trained chef. You will find Dahlia living in New York City, creating food content daily while exploring all that the Big Apple has to offer for food culture. Ooh, I'm kind of jealous. Okay, first of all, I've never (laughs) been to New York aside from layovers in the airport. And I mean, it's so ridiculous that I haven't been there. And I'm just so jealous that you get to explore all the New York food that I hear about. That's so cool. It is normal for the average person to not necessarily have been here. I grew up traveling here since both my parents had family here growing up. So I lived in Florida, always coming to New York, and then finally decided to move here. And so there's a lot of good food and fun. (laughs) So I hear. I will get there soon. But you do have a couple fun facts to share with us, Dahlia, before we dig in. So share those. Okay, so I have one funny one and one like exciting practical one. So my funny one, I don't know. I find it funny. My friends make fun of me for it. But my socks are always mismatched. I don't know why. Like generally, like my life is pretty organized. Like I'm looking at my living room. It's all put together. Yeah, my socks are never matching. (laughs) And I don't mind it. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. And then secondly, I just got engaged. Awesome. Probably around like two and a half. Three weeks ago. So that is very, very exciting. Aww. So there's been a lot of things going on this month, different festivities with families and stuff, engagement parties. So it's been really, really exciting. So cool. So when is, do you have a wedding planned or is it just off in the distance? Like between January and like June, 2023, it's a little bit of a a uh, big amount of time that we're not sure when we're doing yeah. it then, but at some point soon. Okay, cool. Congratulations. That's amazing. Thank you. And the sock thing, I have to comment on that because I don't care if my socks match either. Like if I happen to grab two <laughs> that match, I'm like, oh, cool. It's a matching day. But I just like randomly yeah. put my socks on as well. And some people make fun of me as well. So I'm with you on that. Dahlia. Oh, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it makes me happy. Also, like if I'm really like trying on a day I'll make sure that like the the tops of the socks are generally like both white or both black so just so like they have like some commonality Mm. but like really they're usually not too matchy (laughs) man I love it (laughs) all right you are going to talk to us about how we can help other bloggers grow while we're starting our own blogs so I want to hear first of all how this became important to you and how you realized that this was like an important thing to focus on. So just talk through your story and how you came to kind of figure this out. 
For sure. Okay. So, I mean, I started off like in like the food media industry when I was in high school. This was like at least like seven years ago. I had a YouTube channel. I baked a lot. I didn't really understand recipe development, but like I tried. And then I decided to go to culinary school afterwards, like a year and a half after high school. So I enrolled into culinary school like three years ago. It got very extended because of COVID because it was paused. And then I finally recently just finished it up. But while I was in culinary school, I was working in food media, but I wasn't necessarily working for myself. I worked for a cookie dough company, Sweet Lauren's, and it's a great company. They make gluten-free cookies. It's super delicious and fun, but I was doing the same photography all the time. It was like using their branding, which is totally fine. Like I still do photography for brands, but it just wasn't like fueling my fire of being creative and feeling like I was working for myself. So... Actually, this year in February, after I don't remember if it was two or three years, I had already started doing recipe development for brands and food bloggers separately, like over a year ago. And also, I had my blog, I've had my blog this whole time, but only in the past year have I really put effort into it and like learned more about it. But basically, earlier this year, I was able to leave that cookie dough company all in good terms. I just wanted to pursue my own passions and go full-time with this recipe development work that I'm doing for food bloggers while I'm able to work on my food blog and improve it because I had many many posts that were not SEO-friendly, and I really learned that after my chat with Casey Markey. So I went full-time with that. I also am a personal chef, so although the personal chefing is very sporadic, I would say it's not like as much of a reliable source of income. I think the recipe development that I've been doing for food bloggers is really, really rewarding. And photography too. I haven't focused on it as much in the past couple of months, but I do enjoy it as well. There are so many pieces of food blogging that I feel like there's so much opportunity to dig in and help others. There is so much. Yes, because we don't love every aspect of it, right? So everyone else thinks that same thing. Like, oh, I don't like photography or I'd rather not do recipe development. I want someone to do this for me. So there is a lot of opportunity out there. A hundred percent. And it's about finding those clients that like you need to figure out like, what do you enjoy to do? Because obviously like I might know a lot of things about food blogging, but I don't necessarily love every aspect, but it's like, what do you enjoy to do? And then how can you market that? And marketing it is not a piece of cake. It's a lot of time and work. So it's totally doable. You just have to be willing to put in the energy and be told a lot of no's <laughs> until you get yeses. Do you do outreach or how do you find people to serve? Yeah. So I'll do a lot of research through, first of all, like initially I reached out to bloggers that I loved. And one of them happened to be my first client who I've been working with for over a year now, which was like super random. So happy it worked out. But then there's definitely bloggers that I'll reach out to who I didn't know before. I would say when you do outreach, make sure you know who you're reaching out to and like do a little bit of research on them. See like if what they do aligns with what the work you're looking for. Because like, let's say for me at least, like if I keep kosher, so like I don't eat ham or pork and so like I'm not necessarily going to cook it in my kitchen. So like that probably wouldn't be the right food blog for me to reach out to. Not that I have to specifically make like kosher themed recipes, but like if my kitchen is kosher, my recipes will be kosher automatically. So like find things that like align with what you're looking for 
And I do have a really good piece of advice. I haven't really heard anyone else say it for searching for people. I would look up recipes on Google that you're interested in, like maybe not necessarily chocolate chip cookie, but something a little bit more detailed, like chocolate raspberry cookie, whatever, something like that. And then look at the top bloggers ranking for it. And then maybe take the first three bloggers and plug their links into whichever SEO website you might be using. So I use key search. So I'd plug it into there. I see around how many views per month they're probably getting. And if they seem to be doing decently well, chances are they might be able to afford to pay you, which means that maybe you stand a chance of getting a client. And then I would just find their email and reach out. Hmm. It doesn't always work, obviously, but I find it to be really helpful. That is a great piece of advice. I have not heard anyone say that, but... It narrows down the search a lot. Right. And it just shows that you're putting in a little bit of effort beforehand because we all get those emails that are like, dear Megan, I would love to help you. And it's so like, no, you don't even know who I am. What are you talking about? Exactly. (laughs) So you add your little touch in there. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like people, especially like if you like personalize the email, even if they're not interested they'll remember you a little bit more because it's not just like a, hey, we offer recipe development. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's a little bit more personalized. So how do you get their attention right away and let them know that you've put in the legwork and that you actually do know who they are? Yeah. So I either go for one of two options, either DMs on Instagram where I'll just be like, hey, I'm Dahlia. I'm a trained chef and a food blogger. I specialize in recipe development. I either will, I'll be honest, I'll be like, I recently came across your blog and really loved X, Y, and Z. And I will, I'll go through their blog or their Instagram and look through like what I genuinely really like. Or I'll be like, hey, I've been following you for forever and I'd love to work with you. And then just be like, would you like to chat more? I offer this, this, and that, but I'm not sure what your needs are. I'd love to hear more what you're looking for. And the you have to send these like, I've spoken to some people and it's like, oh, I sent one email out. And it's amazing. Like as you're like, if you haven't done it yet, send one email, but this is going to be like 50 emails down in a week. And like, maybe you got like three responses. (laughs) So just try not like my advice to people is try not to be discouraged. And like, really, like if you really, really, really want the clients, you have to reach out to like a lot, a lot of people. I mean, obviously you can only take on so much, but as much as you feel like you can personally take on. So getting used to hearing no, unfortunately, but it's a part of the game, right? And then eventually that yes or those yeses will come. Exactly. And also just like in terms of the no, because I find this, I used to find this a lot harder. Like once you decide what your rates are, unless like someone wants to do a bundle rate and you could, so then maybe you might adjust your rates to be a little bit cheaper, stick to your rates because you're going to end up being feeling resentful while you're doing the work. If you're charging like half of what you planned, obviously if it's your first job, take one or two jobs that might be a little bit below your rate with the intention of raising your rate at some point. But as you get into it, try to charge what you feel like you're worth because it really does make a huge difference in wanting to complete your work and doing the best job. Like regardless, obviously always do the best job, but it's a little more motivation. And don't you feel like if you are really good at something, a certain skill, that putting value on that 
by raising your rates and sticking to them is a message that like you are confident and you are valuable and you believe in what you're delivering. I completely agree with that because yeah, I think that if you think about it, even in terms of like when you're purchasing an item, it's just a psychology thing also. But sometimes when the item is just a little bit more expensive, you're like, why is this more expensive? Maybe, maybe I'm getting something a little bit more valuable. And sometimes it's true. Sometimes it's not, but people might see it that way too. Right. And you can sense that too. If somebody pitches me for a service I know if they believe in their value or not. Like you can just feel it. And when somebody does yeah. believe in their value, you want to hire them because you're like, oh, wow, they're confident. They can deliver and I need their services because they're amazing. <laughs> no, I completely, completely agree. It's like similar to like, it's my dream one day that one might, assuming hopefully God willing, my food blog does well, that I can have a blog redesign. And I'm just super curious about the pricing of how much these redesigns are, like the one, the super professional ones. And they're like $20,000 sometimes. And obviously that's not in my budget at this moment, but it's like, I respect it. They're doing a good job. Right. They're doing something very niche. And one day, hopefully I'll need their service and many other people do need their services. So it's totally fair to charge what you feel like you're worth. Right. And also something that I always think about is like, what if I charge less, it sets a precedent for all the other bloggers trying to charge what they're worth. So it's like if I'm going to charge $40 for a recipe, that's kind of ruining it for the other bloggers who are also trying to charge, but they're trying to charge $200 for a recipe or $250. So it kind of just like keeps the playing field like even so that all of people who are looking to hire us aren't just going to automatically go with the cheapest option they're going to like see what they feel is the most valuable to them, not just choosing the cheapest option. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great thing to point out. You kind of like lower the bar for others when you undervalue yourself, which... Yeah, and also there's so... Yeah, there's so much work to go around. So it's like, why not try to make it a little tad bit easier for the other people trying to charge what they're worth? Yeah. So where do you recommend people focus? As we mentioned earlier, there are so many different aspects of food blogging. So where do they focus first when they're offering services to others? Focus on what you're most confident in. Honestly, because like for some people, that would be the blog writing which I'm just getting into now, but it wasn't really my focus before. So if you are well-versed in SEO and know how to write a really well-structured blog post, or even if you're a new blogger and you just had a meeting with Casey and he's like, here's your structure, which is what happened with me. It's like you test it out on your blog, you see if it does well. And if it does, you can offer that to people. So there's that. You could do recipe development, which one is my favorite thing. I feel like I do have an expertise in it since I went to culinary school, but also like you don't need to have gone to culinary school to be an expert in recipe development. Also, like if you have like a niche type of cooking, if you do gluten-free, if you do some type of like authentic cuisine based on like where you're from, that's something really cool to offer. Reach out to those bloggers. So like if you specialize in Indian cooking, try to reach out to like a hundred Indian food bloggers who's who's solely focused on Indian food. I feel like because those Indian food bloggers who are making Indian food probably don't want some like me necessarily who has it doesn't have really much of a background in it. Right. And then same with photography. There's so many different things. There's you could be a VA, which is very popular right now to like help people with 
doing like even just posting on other people's Facebooks and all these things you do, you could do like one to three of these options. And I, I mean, at least for me, I was able to supplement my income between this and the personal chefing and keep in mind, personal chefing is not super consistent. So even though it might pay well, it might pay well for two weeks out of the month and then there might be no personal chefing. So I think it's really important to have contracts in place for SP development and food photography. Food bloggers, let's take a moment to talk about a few things that Eat Blog Talk has to offer that is going to add value to your business and accelerate your growth. First of all, head over to the Eat Blog Talk forum. It's totally free. It's off of Facebook and it has a bunch of valuable discussions inside. You can create your own discussion. You can self-promote. You can talk about products and services that you offer without worrying about being removed from the group. Go to forum.eatblogtalk.com to check it out. Also, I have hosted a few in-person retreats here in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and I'm going to continue that. They've been wildly successful. So much connection and growth and learning has occurred within these, and they're fun. So join us in the next one. Go to eblogtalk.com forward slash spring 2022 retreat. You will get access to all of the information for retreats moving forward at that URL. Go there, join the waitlist for the fall retreat and beyond, and you will not be disappointed in that. Also, I want to mention the mastermind program. So for 2022, we are full on the mastermind program. Two groups are underway and they're going really well. There are transformations happening. It is such a powerful, positive group of like-minded peers, and we do so much collaboration and learning inside these groups. We will open up new groups starting in 2023. So if you're interested in joining, join the wait list, go to eblogtalk.com and follow the prompts for the masterminds. And last but not least, I've started a group coaching program for foodie creators who are interested in becoming foodie podcasters. If this is you, send me an email, megan at eatblogtalk.com and let me know you're interested in this group coaching situation. Whether you just have an idea or you've already launched or anything in between, we will serve you and we show up twice a month on group coaching calls where we'll answer all the questions you need to get answered so you can start a successful foodie podcast. There are so many ways that we can accelerate your growth and add value to your business. So I hope that you will take advantage of some of these. And now we'll get back to the episode. And this is a great message for newer bloggers because I think I see this a lot where newer bloggers especially get really like focused, hyper-focused on the ads. Like I need to get the ads, which I get because ad income is good. It's great. And that's a great goal. But in the meantime, you can kind of distract yourself with these other projects and also you're helping other bloggers grow. So it's like you're lifting the whole sea of bloggers up and you're lifting yourself up in the meantime. So I think this is such a good message for newer bloggers to hear that it is possible. So do you have any specific encouragement specifically for newer bloggers, just like to keep going and anything along those lines? So I'd say for newer bloggers, especially when you're new at it also, all the little parts also could be a lot. So let's say you're, let's say you're like a newer blogger. I want to offer recipe development to someone, but I hate writing my blog posts. If you happen to still have like your regular nine to five job, you could actually sell, like do recipe development on the side And then also just use that money and reinvest it into your blog, let's say for writing, having someone write your blog post, if that's going to make your life easier. Because I know also as a new blogger, like I did this a month ago, after my meeting with Casey, I hired someone to help me just revamp like 
20 blog posts. And I was still doing my recipe development for other people and all that stuff. But just also as a new food blogger, try to make your life easier too, because it's a lot. (laughs) It's a lot to take on. There's so many moving parts in creating a blog and running it and constantly updating it. So like, don't feel too stressed out about everything being perfect. And if you can uh, figure out how to afford it, outsourcing something that maybe, I understand photography is probably the most expensive to outsource, but like outsourcing some of the smaller things can really just help you get through like the stress of like there being so many things to get done. So I guess that's some of my advice. Just power through, try to outsource a little bit if you can, because you see that by you, by me outsourcing, let's say, I know it's helping another blogger. So vice versa, I could also help you, even if it's not the most expensive service. And another benefit of doing this is that you accelerate your skill growth and experience too. Do you agree with that? Like you just like so much more quickly get better at all of the things in food blogging. A hundred percent. And you'll see like as you start working on a skill, you'll get faster at it and it will just become more intuitive. It's just a really great feeling. I definitely feel like that with recipe development. I also, I know with food photography, I haven't put as much focus on it this year. I definitely have a little bit of imposter (laughs) syndrome because I know my photos, like I know they're decent. I'm sure some people would say they're good. I think they're good. I don't think they're like, I'm sure they use improvement just like every single person thinks, but Like if I were honing in on that skill more this year, I'm sure I'd feel more confident in it. Like last year, my food photography was a really big focus and I felt super confident in it. And then you take a little break and then you feel a little less confident. So I feel like if you just keep on going, keep on practicing the same skill over and over, your confidence will go up and you'll also actually get better at it. Mm, Those are some pretty amazing byproducts, right? I mean, you're, yeah, yeah, like so many things we've talked about, like you're helping yourself, you're helping others, you're increasing your confidence, you're slowly chipping away at that imposter syndrome that I feel like we all have once in a while. Yeah, I think everyone does. I know, I wish I could just kill that imposter. Yeah, I was talking to a food blogger friend about this recently, and I was like, if we weren't specifically talking about imposter syndrome, but I made a comment. I was like, oh, my food photos, I'm just like not feeling them lately. She's like, Dalia, what are you saying? She's like, I, she's like, you definitely just have imposter syndrome. She's like, she's like, I have imposter syndrome. Are like we had someone who like we both took a class from for food photography. She's like, I know that person definitely has imposter syndrome, and she taught us how to do all of this, and she's amazing. So. <laughs> Everyone just has to like, we all, even myself, we all take a step back and just look at our work and be like, wow, I did that. And then it's easier to sell yourself to others when you're actually confident in your work. Because most of the time it is going to be pretty good. It doesn't have to be exactly like everyone else's to be nice. And having a little group, a supportive group of friends or peers helps with that too, because they can keep you in check. Like your friend did, right? Like, wait, you're great. This is, you're being ridiculous. Yeah. And people are really honest and genuine and they'll tell you when something needs improvement too. Right. But yeah, it's super helpful to like be a part of the food blogger community, which I didn't realize for a long time. I was just like, oh, I'm doing this on my own. Like I'll get by. But then you meet people and you're like, wow, we can relate to the same things and talk about it and just lift each other up. Yeah. Super important, vital, essential piece there is finding those people talking specifically about just getting started with helping other bloggers, do you have anything else like little tidbits to share with us? Yeah. 
I guess I could add a few things in terms of working with for bloggers, and this applies for brands too, but I do find that bloggers are a little bit easier to get as clients in the beginning, especially if you don't have a huge following because brands are like, oh, we want you to be an influencer. And I've tried, like you could explain like, oh, well, we're, I want to approach this from like a recipe development perspective, but usually brands won't necessarily take it as seriously. So let's say talking to bloggers, some advice is have a contract. It doesn't have to be anything pish posh. You can find like, it's really, really easy to find like like a generic food photography contract online and just edit it to make sense for what you're selling. So have a contract. I'd say be strict on what your guidelines are. Like if you're wanting to sell something for digital versus for print, you want to make sure that like your recipe is not going to just end up in someone's cookbook and not get paid for it. So definitely differentiate between those two things when you're talking about doing recipe development for someone or photography be super communicative. Like if you send one email, feel free to send another email back like a week later if you didn't get a response because many times chances are they just didn't see your email. So don't feel bad and be like, oh, they never responded to my email. Like yeah. they have get a lot of emails. And yeah, I think those are two pieces of advice. And just also just be involved in the community. Be mm-hmm. on the social media platform that you want to attract. So if you're looking to create TikTok reels, which I didn't mention at all, but if you're looking to do that, be on TikTok. If you're looking to do more photography for bloggers, you could even go on their blogs and comment or comment on their Instagram photos. So just try to be involved as much as you can and have patience. (laughs) This stuff takes a lot of patience. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, definitely. Do you recommend going into people's, like kind of sorting through their platforms and their accounts and seeing where the gaps are and maybe trying to fill in gaps for them? Yes, for sure. Like it's, Definitely right now, a lot of bloggers are looking to redo their old content because it wasn't photographed nicely and they don't have the step-by-step images. So you could, yeah, go through their content. And if you see anything missing, be like, hey, your content's amazing. I noticed you're missing some of the ingredient photos on your older posts. I was wondering if you need any reshoots done. So yeah, definitely try to fill their gaps because that's also another really great way to make it personalized. There are, I mean, there are so many ways. If you just sat down with a pen and paper, you could write down probably 50 ideas, honestly, of things that you could help bloggers with. There are so many things. I think sometimes that's so simple, but that's just such a good place to start. It's just writing down. And then like one idea will lead to another and you're like, oh, wait, I could help with TikTok videos or I don't know. There are just endless amounts of opportunity here. Yeah, write down your ideas. That's really good advice. And then hopefully you will work to put make it happen. And sometimes just taking your sights off of a goal that you're really gripping tightly, like ad network goals, can help you to grow your business. It like releases pressure somehow or takes off it does. the pressure. You know what I mean? Like you don't need that pressure. So focus on something else in the meantime. And before you know it, you're going to be in an ad network. Yes. I think that's really good advice. And I know I definitely have to, like, I really do want to put more effort into my blog. This month was just crazy. I kind of took a little bit of a break because I had the engagement and then we had like an engagement party with like different sides of the family. So it was like a whole thing. It was so fun, but it definitely got put on pause. But thankfully, because I have these other jobs happening with the recipe development, like my month still went smoothly, which is helpful while you don't have the ad money. Yeah, right. Exactly. 
yeah, just filling in those gaps. So what else are we missing, Dahlia? Oh, I guess just like a note on recipe development, because I know that, that I kind of spoke on that a lot. I think that there's so many people that you don't have to have a culinary degree to be like call yourself an expert in it. But I do think that it's really important just to make sure, because I've spoken about this with bloggers who I work with, make sure that like you're being very careful about like either citing where your recipe is adapted from, if that's an option, because like, let's be realistic. Most recipes do come from somewhere. Like you could make something off the top of your head, but that's more realistic for a salad and less realistic for a cake that really has Mm -hmm. exact measurements. So make sure that you're citing where your recipe is adapted from if it is. And also talk to your food blogger client about what they're comfortable with. Because like I I have a client that doesn't want recipes cited from other food bloggers, but they would like them cited from cookbooks. And like people have different preferences. So just make sure that that's at top of mind and like just be super transparent and make sure that the recipe is obviously your own in the way where like you definitely make at least four changes and then completely rewrite directions Mm -hmm. if you are adapting a recipe because it's only fair to the person that created it. So I guess that's like some of my advice in recipe development. I've definitely come a long way from when I started because when I was when I started, I was on YouTube. I was like 17. I did not understand like that concept of like not copying someone's yeah. recipe. And I remember I made a cake that looked just even just look wise. It wasn't the same recipe. It looked just like someone else's cake. And then years later, someone commented like that's someone else's cake. And then I went on it. I was like, oh my God, <laughs> that is the design of someone else's cake. So then I had to go back. I made sure to link back to that source. And like ever since I've been extremely careful, like obviously cite where your inspiration is from, even if it's not the full on recipe. Yeah. And just be super, super transparent because if you created a recipe from scratch, you would definitely want that credit. Yes, for sure. I used to do the same thing when I first started. It was such a learning curve for me. I was like, what is this food blogging thing? So I would literally go into magazines and like, yeah, like I'm going to make this recipe and put it on my blog from the Food Network. And then very quickly I was like, oh, wait, that's probably not cool. So then I had to go back and either like highly adapt it or at least credit the source. I wasn't doing that initially. Yeah, exactly. And a few people reached out and they're like, this is the exact recipe from this <laughs> article. And I was like, oh my goodness. But we all yeah, go through that when we're like, oh, then. we should not be doing that. We should be citing and giving credit. And it's something that we all exactly learn the hard way. <laughs> yeah. So if there's anyone new watching, hope like new uh, a new blogger, Here is an important piece of advice. Don't copy other people's recipes. Yep. And it is okay to do that. Like you mentioned, like give credit, just be transparent. I found this recipe on this site. It was great. I changed out the amount of this ingredient and now it's this recipe. Like as long as you're really clear about that whole journey, then I think people are fine. Yeah. And also chances are when you are adapting your recipe that like you're going to find things you want to change anyways, if you're testing it out first, like you might realize, like I've been testing out brownies and at this point it's completely my recipe because I've tested like eight batches and they just keep on changing. But like from batch to batch, I'm like, oh, do I want to bake 36 minutes or 38 minutes? It really makes a difference. So like even little technicalities like that, like see what you like the best and then incorporate that into your new recipe. Oh, yes. That is good advice. 
Thank you, Dahlia. So if you had to leave us with maybe one takeaway from our chat, like a, a most important takeaway yeah. for bloggers listening, what would it be? I feel like, and it's a very simple piece of advice I'm sure people have heard before, but I really do believe in it. I think that when one door closes, another door opens. I don't think it's like magic, like, oh, you lost your job. I'm sure something will pop up. <laughs> but it's like, if something doesn't go as planned or you lose your job or whatever it is, and you put the effort to make it better, or like you do as much as you can, obviously there's only so much we could do, something amazing will happen. Mm-hmm. And I've really seen this a lot of many times in my life. Like I'm trying to think, oh, this was a really good example. Like three months, no, four months ago, I had a really, really consistent personal chef client and it was a good income. I mean, it was obviously in addition to my other incomes, but it was a really big part of it. And they decided that they weren't going to have a personal chef anymore. And they told me they weren't going to move forward. I felt a little stressed about it. And literally the same day, three new jobs happened. Like they came into my life. And that was not like, it doesn't usually happen that you get three new things in a day. And I was just like, wow, this was meant to be because I wouldn't have been able to take on a new job that paid more. And it was really, really just like, wow. So like, Obviously, I put the effort in the weeks before to be talking to other people about potential new clients just because that's what I'm always doing. But these three happen to have worked wow, out. That's so cool. So it was like really crazy. So I just think like, and it's hard. I'm not always pos- like I'm not always the most positive person. Like everyone has days where they just like feel like in a rut or whatever. But like try your best to be open minded to like good things happening, even when it doesn't seem that great. That concept is so hard to put faith into. It's like, I don't want to let go. This is something. It's giving me whatever, X, Y, Z. But when you do, when you have the faith to let go of it and you see those three new things or whatever come in, you're like, wow, there's so much cool like power there. Yeah, there really is. And even if it's not a new opportunity that comes your way, but it's a new opportunity that you create for yourself. So like, even if like something work-wise or life-wise doesn't happen that you wanted and like you create something different for your life like even in a relationship like certain things cannot work out and then like like I had like situationships I'd call them before I met my fiance I was so sad things were not working out and then I met him and then like everything was perfect (laughs) and it's been two years so like things work out, even if they don't feel so perfect in the beginning. Such a great way to end. Thank you, Dahlia. This was such a fun conversation. I love Thank you so chat. much. This is so exciting to talk to you. It's been such a pleasure. So we will put together show notes page for you, Dahlia. You can find that at eatblogtalk.com forward slash it's raining flower and flower is F-L-O-U-R, of course. Tell everyone where they can find you online and on social media, et cetera. Okay, awesome. So you could find me, like Megan said, at itsrainingflower.com. You could also find me on Instagram at itsrainingflower and TikTok, which I'm not so good at posting on, but it's also itsrainingflower. And if anyone needs advice on getting recipe development clients or you're a blogger and you just really need to outsource some of your recipe development because it's becoming a lot to handle, feel free to reach out to me. My email is on my blog. You can also just DM me on Instagram. It's really easy to find. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Dahlia. And thank you so much for listening today, food bloggers. I will see you in the next episode. Thank you so much. 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of eBlog Talk. Please share this episode with a friend who would benefit from tuning in. I will see you next time.